Everyone was expecting Broadway magic from the New York Rangers. Instead, we got a round one exit and a surprise coaching firing, and it surprised both of us, trust me. Uh, also, the Ottawa Senators are making Broadway magic because they got a lot of famous people eager to buy them, and we also have a lot of round two beef and drama and tons of chaos. You're going to love it. Episode 300. 63 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Starting in the Big Apple, Brad Gerard Gallant out as head coach for the third time in his NHL career. This is arguably the most surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. So, uh, by the way, I'm watching <laughs> the Celtics-Sixers overtime game as we speak. So, it's <laughs> apologies if I get a little bit distracted right now. Uh, but, um, yeah, this, this happened yesterday or Saturday. So, yeah. Uh, two days ago from the time you're listening to this. But, uh, yeah, the Rangers uh, had fired Gerard Gallant. A bit of a surprise, um, especially because there was a press conference, um, I think it was a few days ago, where uh, the media, apparently, um, was more informed than Gerard Gallant was because they asked him, uh, are you worried about getting fired? And Gerard Gallant saying, like, you know, we made it to the conference finals last year. We made it to the playoffs this year. We're a very good team. And, uh, like, how dare you even question the fact that I might get fired. I'm on the hot seat. And it turns out... Uh, we literally, you're hired to be fired as a coach. We yeah. all know this. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So there is a chance yeah. that it could happen. A slim chance, yeah. but it yeah. could happen. And, it, you know, it's one of those things that, it's like... New York, you know? Yeah. These are sky-high expectations. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where, so first off, I, I, I didn't see this until uh, he got fired. So it's just like, yeah. okay, like, <laughs> that's a little bit of a weird thing to say, even if you, like, weren't getting hired. Obviously, he's a very good coach. Um, but it was just like, it was kind of like funny. It's like, you would think you would say like, yeah, the season is was disappointing or the way that we left in the playoffs was disappointing. Um I am on the hot seat, but I'm just all that stuff. But, yeah, I guess apparently it was news to him that he was on the hot seat and <laughs> to the point where he uh, he got fired um, beforehand. But um, yeah. New York media is yeah. a different breed, man, even bigger, uh, different than Toronto, I would argue. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could make the case. I feel like it's a little bit different because in the U.S., hockey isn't as big of a deal as it is in um, – in Canada, uh, but like, yeah, this was like, uh, I mean, Aaron, for instance, Aaron Boone, who's the coach, the manager of the Yankees, uh, he's yeah. on, he's been on the hot seat for about a, seat, a year, so, um, so yeah, it's it's like they they care more about the Yankees, the Knicks, and all those teams, but yes, I, I, I it is definitely you care a lot about the Rangers, though, to be fair, yeah, yeah, I um, but in, but, in comparison, I get your point. 
I, I, I think it's a little bit different just from the standpoint that, I mean, I'm coming from the fact that, like, in America, hockey is, like, the fourth sport. Like, it, that's never going to change. Whereas from your perspective, you know, hockey's always on the mind, always in the media and everything like that. So it's just, so just I think it's just a country uh, disparity. But, yeah, you have a fair point. And the Sixers just won. Um, so... Great. Um, anyways, um, yeah, it was one of those things where when I heard the news, I I was thinking like, yeah, this is a shocker. This was a guy who um, made it to the Jack Adams finalist last year. Um, he is a very good coach. And then the more I thought about it, I was just like, yeah, actually, you know what? This might be the right move. Um, and obviously, like, Gallant is a very good coach. He's immediately the best coach available right now. Um, but, but one thing, well, there's a couple things. One, he, um, he got fired, uh, by the Florida Panthers, uh, from a cab ride back. Uh, like, he didn't even get, he had to pay for the cab. Um, but, like, he was, uh, he was fired by the, in the airport or whatever. Uh, when the team was yeah, about to Yeah, I, I, I say that's a strike on the Panthers, yep. less on him. But. Yeah, fair, but that's not, you know, uh, that that does show something. Vegas fired him after his, uh, 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 when the Vegas Golden Knights made it to the Stanley Cup Finals um, in their first year, and then the next, and then he was immediately, he was fired the next season. Um and then yeah, so that's mid season year three he was yeah. fired and this was after yeah. the uh it was three nothing collapse against right. the Sharks. So this was shortly before COVID hit they made the coaching change. Right, right, right. with the board instead. And then and then this time he uh yeah, he gets fired after this press conference. It's like I you know, like I know that the Florida Panthers bungled that up and clearly he um, yeah, that chip on his shoulder in Vegas. Um, but this is this third team, and each time it's like clearly they all don't like him after he has like a very, very short shelf life um, where he hasn't even like coached past. Okay, he, he did make it. He, he coached three seasons in Vegas or two and a half seasons in Vegas. Yeah. Um, Two and I, apparently he got fired. Twenty-two games in Florida, um, so he he coached uh, two and like a quarter games in Florida, and he didn't even get a chance to to, uh, to coach um, even a decimal um, in in his time in New York. He just coached uh, two yeah full two seasons full there. seasons and he's out. Yeah, and, and to be fair, his first year in Vegas and his first yeah. year at the Rangers, they went on deep playoff runs right, right, as well. Right. Yeah, which which you know adds to the fact of like, okay, well, what happened? Yeah, here? yeah. And then that brings me to the second point where it's like, okay, like, like maybe that's just how he is. He's like a Guy Boucher type uh, coach where he just he does really well the first year with a team, and then the second year it starts to fade, and then the third year is when he starts to like lose favor in the locker room or something like that. Um, and then, um, and, you know, so like, yeah, maybe the first time it's on Florida. Second time, uh, I can see why Vegas did what they did. 
third time for the Rangers, eh, maybe there's a problem with Gerard Gallant. Um, so, so from that perspective, I can kind of see it. Um, or like, you know, obviously we don't know what's going in on the locker rooms, what the players actually feel about him, but maybe there is something to that. Which takes me to my other point, which I realized when the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, maybe this is the right move. Um, during that uh, New Jersey Devils playoff series that he had, um, he was, uh, he didn't change any lines. Um, he didn't really make any adjustments. I mean, of course, uh, Shashurkin is unbelievable, but like he didn't do anything to, to change <laughs> what was going on um, in that playoff series. So from that, that angle... straight series, by the yeah. way, they were up to nothing and blew it. Right, right. And yeah, that too. And the fact that like, I, I, maybe this had something to do with it too, was that this was the night bef- after... Akira Schmid got blown up by Carolina, which was the same goalie that um, that the Rangers couldn't figure out for four games. So, so maybe yeah, that and got something. shut out in the final one as well <laughs> yeah. after they lit him up in game yeah, six. Well, I don't, yeah, but like, uh, no, it wasn't the the series was? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It did go to seven, but um, but most for the most part, Schmid kind of uh, yeah. took over in that series. Um, and like, that's like, and then the fact that I just remember when we were talking about when, uh, David Quinn was fired from the Rangers and we were talking about how, like, you know, David Quinn never played the that often or Kako that often. And of course, like Kreider is very, very good, um, at that time, but it's like, okay, you drafted those two guys in particular, uh, for a reason. It's like... So you put them in the third line. That didn't change when Gallant was on the on as the head coach, um, to the point where yesterday or the last week we were we spent like maybe like five minutes talking about where Lafreniere is going to go, um, and and maybe you know that had something to do with it. Where like Lafreniere still hasn't been in the top six um, lines or the top two lines, um, and same with Kaiko. Uh So it's like. So just the fact that like maybe he's lost favored in the locker room, maybe the uh, the Rangers management is just realizing like, oh like, Lafreniere is going to be a restricted free agent this year. We still don't really know what he's going to do. Um, we have to like change things up. Okay, like let's 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 do something. Let's change something uh, because I guess Gallant was just stubborn and wanted to keep the kid line together. Um, when, yeah, very set in his yeah, ways, yeah. Exactly, so it's like, and then especially after the fact where he was just saying, like, I'm not getting fired, and then he gets fired, like, the next day. So yeah, it's just like, defiant and, and yeah. almost cocky and arrogant right, right. in a way. So, so, like, all three of those things of, like, the fact that, like, yes, he was caught, like, that, that presser didn't rub him the right way. The fact that th- this is a trend... Uh, for him as a head coach. And then, thirdly, the fact that, like, oh, he didn't make any lineup changes at all. Which is, like, you know, like, you know, if, if, like, that's fine if it doesn't work out. But the fact that he didn't even try it uh, when the Rangers were clearly struggling, it's like, okay, yeah, then of course he should be fired. That, That makes so much sense that he's just that stubborn. Okay, so, yeah, anyways, uh, 
What are your thoughts on Gallant? I I feel like we have similar opinions about this right now. (laughs) I think um, the other thing is, if you're the New York Rangers, it matters that Capococco isn't living up to his full potential and that Alexis Lafreniere isn't living up to Mm -hmm. his full potential. That took this long for Philip Keitel to kind of get into a groove a little bit. And you need the best out of the young guys like Braden Schneider and Keandre Miller. You need contributions from everyone across the board, especially when you're getting into a position where you need to start paying guys. Mm. And in a couple of years, they're going to have to pay Igor Shashurkin the big bucks yep. and uh, even more so than what he's worth right now. And you know what? Maybe the one positive thing is they won't have to pay Lafreniere as much up front than they probably otherwise would have if he, you know, caught fire and did the things that a first overall pick would be expected to do. But at the end of the day, they're in a very tough Metro division. It's not going to get any easier. You just... I'm, I'm going to say it, They pissed away a prime opportunity with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Mm. And now you're at a position of like, okay, well, uh, how do we make up this roster moving forward? And when we put this roster together, can our coach go out and execute that vision we're trying to set? And can our coach adapt, more importantly? Because Rod Brindamore adapts. You look at guys in other uh, parts of the NHL, like Vegas, Bruce Cassidy, he adapts. Mike Sullivan, how many times has Pittsburgh been banged up to high heaven and he finds a way to just salvage a lineup that can get the job done and get wins? The best in the league are good at adapting. And if you can't adapt, you're going to die. And the Rangers died in round one, a lot sooner than people expected. And, um... I normally don't believe in the Jack Adams curse as much. I'm more keen to believe it now because literally all of last year's nominees are no longer with teams they were nominated for. Andrew Burnett left for New Jersey because the Panthers didn't want to keep him. Daryl Sutter got fired a few weeks ago, and now Gallant is on the employment line as well. Uh, It's absolutely crazy on that regard as well. Yeah. Although, the thing with Burnett, I guess it was a weird situation because he's now in New Jersey, but, like, he's not a head coach Assistant, there. Yeah. yeah. As a safety net, I'm sure, yeah. for, you know, if weird, Lindy though. Ruff struggles and they need to make a change, he's right there. Yeah, it is a little weird, though. Um, yeah, a bit. But, um, but, yeah, yeah, it is strange. It does make me wonder, because Jim Montgomery is going to win the Jacks, Jack Adams this year. Um like, yeah, yeah, I know it was announced. I think uh, Hackstall was the other guy. There was uh, yeah, another. Yeah, Hackstall and... Let me see if I can figure it. Cassidy? Another... Is Cassidy was the third? I might... Uh... <laughs> I totally know. So it might sure. be uh, the Dallas. Uh, Lindy Sarsen. Ruff. Oh, oh Lindy Ruff. Which Lindy Ruff? Okay, yeah. Lindy Ruff. So it's yeah. Montgomery, Ruff, and Haxtell, the three yeah, nominees yeah. for this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can it, make a case for all three of them to win, but I'm sure I'm not sure any of them want it though. Well, Montgomery's going to win, uh, but uh, probably. Well, it was the, literally the best regular season team. <laughs> like what? Yeah. What? What else does he need to do? Um, well, I mean, the Kraken had the 
top five offense uh, a year after That's, they were basically nothing. Yeah, but no, no one thought the Bruins were going to make the playoffs. Anyway, that is true. <laughs> I, I'm saying you can make a case for all three, but you're right. Montgomery's you, likely going to win. You anyways, really can. And, not that he wants to win, but okay. he could win. Anyway. But but yeah. like I guess um, it, like I guess we are sidetracking from another sidetraction, but. Um, <laughs> That happens a lot, more often than That, that yeah. is true. We, I, I'm just we, curious how this is going to impact Gallant's future in the NHL. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- this tenure was arguably his shortest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he did so much in his first year. Like, how many more chances are you going to get to fix a team? Like, maybe the Anaheim Ducks look at his resume and they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, this, yeah. this guy can go deep into playoffs. Yeah. And then you realize... Well, you don't really have the roster construction of a yeah. team that really fits what Gland is trying to do, and we also rely on our young guys to produce. Right. I mean, I think Gallant is kind of like a Guy Boucher where if you put him into the right situation, he'll do wonders. Um, it's just a matter of the shelf life in that case. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think for some coaches, they don't fit with every single situation. And I'm curious... Yeah. I'm curious where Bruce Boudreaux kind of lands in all of this because there are some intriguing places that he could land up. Calgary, that's true. I think could be a place there, a market that I think you need to have a coach that makes you want to come to the rink every day. He makes hockey fun, and he puts a lot of trust in you. But I also think for the Rangers, Boudreaux could be a nice fit. I just don't know if he fits the scheme that they're trying to. I will say that, despite what I just said, I do think that Gallant is the best option the best coach option right now yeah um, you're not wrong and like it has the numbers yeah yeah exactly and like what you're saying for like anaheim like they probably just want like let's say they win the bedard lottery uh which is tomorrow on monday yeah. um by I'm the way i'm still looking forward to that except yeah. if the hawks win <laughs> yeah but um well like like, you know, your team will pretty much make the playoffs um, in the first year. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that's kind of what the Ducks want if, if they do land a Connor Bedard. But even if they get, like, Fantilli or uh, Carlson, like, that's still a good spot. You know, that that's kind of what, like, some of those franchises need. If, like, if you would just want to make the playoffs, then, yeah, I think Lance's your guy. Um, and then you would just worry about the long term when it when that happens um but like yeah so he would be a good spark um but it may not last like for three years but it could you know like your your team's gonna be pretty good um and then um also uh gerard galland works wonders with goalies by the way uh he uh So the Rangers with Shosturkin, obviously. Vegas, Marc-Andre Fleury was on another level. And then Florida yep. had... Um, who did they have at that time? I think they had... Um, they had Luongo at that time. Luongo at the time. Um, and yeah, and they were... And, and Luongo and, and Fleury were near the yeah. tail end of their careers at that right. time as well. But they were playing very well for yep. um, those, te- those uh, teams, um, even still. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to see if, like, I can figure out Luongo's stats during that time, but I can't find it. Anyways, 
Um, had some good seasons in Florida. Yeah, but like, uh, the year they lost to the Islanders in the playoffs, he was yeah. arguably one of the best goalies around. Just just quickly before we go to uh, the send stuff. Yeah. Um, quick prediction for. First overall lottery, second overall lottery, who do you think wins? Oh, well, I was going to say that to later. I thought you were going to ask where where do you think Gerard Gallant goes and where, what do you think the Rangers are going, who are they going to get? Um, I'm not going to respond to either because I feel like there are going to be, um, you know, like there are still eight teams in the running and you, you, you never know what decisions could um, creep up between now and then there's also the Sens ownership too not really sure if they're going to keep DJ and Pierre around you know there's also that yeah but right now let's assume there's no coaching changes at all where who do you where do you think Gallant goes and where do you who do you think the Rangers pick up Again, I don't know if it's going to be a long-term fit, but I think Calgary, just because right, of the that. goaltending thing that you mentioned, because yep. Jacob Markstrom was not anywhere near good enough this year. Yep. And if he can rebound and Galant can help with that, that'd be huge. Yeah, that's a good uh, and In which case, the Rangers would probably take Boudreaux, if I had to say. Boudreaux, yeah. I, yeah. I could see that. I guess I could also see... Um, yeah, that would be a, a ba- not a bad pick. Uh, but um, I was thinking maybe Barry Trotz. Uh, he comes back from retirement. Um, well, he would have to be the head coach and GM because he's GM of the Preds. Once oh, that's right. I forgot time. about that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay, good call. Okay. What a shame. He would have been. That would have been a good fit for him. But okay, fair. It would have been. Yes. 100%. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Then it's Boudreaux might be the the guy. Um, it's weird, though, because I feel like the Rangers, like, they always go with a retread, um, I guess, because, like, they failed. Yeah, what's Davidson. Alan Bignot doing with his time? Second sure. time's a charm, right? Well, I was thinking that, the, like, if any team is going to be crazy enough to do it, uh, the Rangers might go out and get either one, a Mike Babcock, or two, a Joel Quenville. And then that's oh, when you Oh, you know get, what? And that's when you start to there, get, there's... Like, you know, Obviously, there would be yeah. stuff to happen before Joe Quenville is allowed to coach again. But right. I saw on the TSN ticker last week, it's just like, yep. hey, you know what? This might not be as ridiculous as you may think it is. Yep. And it could happen sooner than you think. So, right. you, you know what? Quenville is realistic. Mike Babcock, yeah, I don't think he'll be in the league for a while. I don't know. I feel. I don't, well, I don't I, think he's done. Well, what's weird is Quenville did something much worse than what Babcock did. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> so so I, I think uh, a Babcock, but having said that, I feel like Babcock still is I think on a Quenville list. is more of a unifier in the yeah. locker room than Babcock is because you saw yeah. what happened in Toronto. Right. You've heard the stories from Commodore that everyone thought he was delusional when he said them at first. Yeah, that's a good and point. he's clearly not. And you heard about the stuff that happened with Babcock and Johan Franzen. Right. Like, that stuff never goes away. Yeah. If you want a unifier, I don't think Babcock's your guy. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess I'm just thinking that, well, one, because, like, the Rangers always do that stuff. And secondly, and... You know, they got someone, like, they don't care about past history because, like, they wouldn't have gotten Patrick Kane um, otherwise. Yep. And then, Uh-oh. secondly, 
Um, I'm just thinking, like, you know, there is a chance where it's, like, Babcock realized, like, oh, if I want to keep my job, I can't be doing that stuff. Um, so, so maybe there is a chance for that, even though everyone hates him. And I'm not, you know, I'm not defending him, obviously, but, um, but I could see there being a way that people are starting to defend Mike Babcock. And there is a wild you know, card. As I just that mentioned, I yeah. think, and as I just, uh, sorry. And yeah. as I just mentioned, it's like Quinville literally, uh, like, a, like allowed sexual assault <laughs> in his locker. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that like there's even a chance that Joel Quenville might be around is yeah is um instead of Mike Babcock it's like a it's a little strange like Joel Quenville should not have a job for forever like he should never be in the NHL yeah. again but I it's, it's never said I was happy with that scenario yeah. either to be fair yeah yeah and then what what were you thinking is going to be your um, Depending on what happens with the Leafs, if Sheldon keeps uh, available, yeah, that that could be a match for New York. Yeah, I yeah. really think that could be a match, and for Calgary as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that if that happens if the Leafs are yeah. out. But yes, uh, yeah. that's a good point. Um, okay, uh, speaking of a Canadian team, we have some exciting news uh, for one of our teams. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, they're all apparent, apparently they're the bell of the ball. Um, so we've known for a long time that Ryan Reynolds, uh, he has a bid to buy the Senators or he's a part of a team to buy the Senators. I guess all three of these celebrities are a part of a team. Yeah. Uh, they're all supporting different teams, but they're all in the same bid to buy this team. Yep. Um, and, and that's right. You heard me right. Celebrities, three celebrities interested in the Ottawa Senators. That seems crazy. Um, Snoop Dogg is also on another bid. Uh, I think we, we briefly mentioned this last week, but, uh, we didn't spend so much time just because we had a lot of other stuff to talk about. And then just recently the weekend, um, he uh, is also in a part, uh, he's on another team that's bidding for the Ottawa Senators. Um, it was interesting. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, it would be great if he was a part of the NHL. He's Canadian, of course. Um, it would just be cool to have Deadpool around. Um, Snoop Dogg was also kind of interesting, too, because he, uh, he was asked about this. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was saying that he wants to make, like, hockey into... He, he's, been a, he's been a big hockey fan for a long time now. I think he had, like, he wore, like, a... Yager uh, jersey in one of his uh, music videos. I, I just remember him wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. He might have been Lemieux, but uh, he's been known to be a hockey fan. Uh, but he also said that he wants to buy the Sanders so that he can encourage a more of the, the minority hockey um, you know, people to or encourage more diversity into hockey. Um, which I would argue that like maybe you just start your own league like you can do that without buying a team but um but it is kind of cool that that's his initiative and that's what he wants to to do um and then yeah the weekend he's also another bid as well i think he's from toronto um he's canadian as well but um but yeah maybe i I guess i don't know if he's a leafs fan but uh 
uh, I, I'm sure that would change if he if he does become an owner of the Ottawa Senators. So I, I'll I'll give you the mic here on uh, on your your team being the most um, popular team all of a sudden. Yeah. So I'll delve more into you know what each party brings to the table when we find out who the heck won the bid. But let's start the perceived front runners. That would be Remington Group, the one that. Hollywood actor Ryan Reynolds supports. Apparently, they're preparing a bid that is rumored to be, and Bettman hates speculation, so I will emphasize rumored to be in the $1 billion ballpark. That's right, I said billion with a B. A lot of money. Crazy. Um, A lot for a team, especially when you consider it was previously owned by Eugene Melnick a couple of years ago. I don't think it's nearly worth a billion dollars. Like several hundred million, yes, but not a billion. Uh, and then earlier this week... Although, we heard, like, how much is the Toronto Maple Leafs worth? Uh, fair. <laughs> I, <laughs> would, I would say... Or any of the original six teams, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're a pretty hot ticket. But, in town, I, but I, point taken, yeah. is, you know, that's a lot of money, obviously. Yeah, that's just to buy the team. Then you also <laughs> have to run it. You also yeah, have yeah. to pay for a new arena, potentially, yeah. and, you know, finance the team. Like, probably, I would imagine, fans are expecting them to to the salary cap as well put out a competitive mm-hmm. product so that's just like a billion dollars up front and then lots of other money a- a- attached to it so it seems that Remington Group might have the deepest pockets here but American rapper Snoop Dogg is supporting the Nico Sparks bid he's based out of the states and in California uh, and it should be noted that the condition on any sale descends, the team must stay in Ottawa. Yeah. You can move the rink, I don't know, closer to downtown Ottawa, but it needs to stay in Ottawa. can't move elsewhere. Um, and he was mentioning the possibility of youth hockey leagues that he wants to create, um, the fact that he would be part of a black ownership group and that hasn't happened in the NHL before means a lot to him, which is which I would agree is huge as well yep. for the sport. Uh, and then uh, just a couple days ago, uh, the weekend, Canadian Top 40 artist plans to support a bid by Toronto billionaires Jeffrey and Michael Kimmel. Um, and at the end of the day, no matter who wins, the Sens are getting free publicity that you cannot put a price tag on. Yep. Like Snoop Dogg was talking about this on ESPN, who yep. is known for not really putting hockey at the forefront, even though they have the NHL yep. rights. He was on first take, and I just looked to my right. I was at work when I saw this. I looked to my right, and I see Snoop Dogg talking about the Ottawa Senators with the ESPN first take ticker showing a Sens logo. Yeah. I don't think I have ever seen that in my life yeah. up until that point. Well, and that's what it said to me, wow, yeah. <laughs> this, this is huge. Like, yeah. the Sens, I don't think anyone in the U.S. from a global scale has heard about the Ottawa Senators, known the history of the Ottawa Senators, um, how many Stanley Cups they've been to, um, if they have any Stanley Cup championships, who's on their team? Um, other than, you know, if you're in L.A. and you saw the fighting yeah. incident on Brady Kachuk, maybe you heard of the Sens before. But for the most part, the Sens are, you know, one of the Canadian teams that, yep. you know, don't get the kind of limelight that a lot of the other Canadian markets do. And that's something that Ottawa has always struggled to build, is a fan base, a brand outside of Canada's capital. 
Yeah. And through this bidding process, they're getting a lot of free publicity. And at the end of the day, it's a slam dunk for the Sens. Um, regardless of who the winner is, mm. honestly, I would prefer Remington Group. I don't know why, but something just hits different with that proposal. Um, so we'll we'll wait out for the next couple of months. We'll see who wins the bid. We'll talk more then. Yep. But yeah, just to give people an update, the fact that three famous people are in the bidding process and actually give a darn about this team it is mind-boggling to me, and I just yeah. wanted to gloat for a bit. So yeah, <laughs> thank you, Brett, for allowing me to do that. Well, no, no. I mean, we did spend like an hour talking about the Bruins and their demise last That is true. Last that year, is so. true. I but it was a discussion. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I speaking of I, I I mean as I just mentioned I I feel like for well first off um, I do remember I think it was a, a, like maybe ten years ago where Rihanna wore an Ottawa Senators jersey um, at one Ooh, point forgot about that but uh, but yes for the most part you are right that uh, no one really cares about uh, the Ottawa Senators that much but. You could say that about pretty much all of hockey. <laughs> it's like, it's not, I mean, as I was just alluding to at the start of this um, episode, it's like hockey isn't really that well, like it is like, you know, obviously you have fans like me and there are a lot of, it's it's gotten more popular throughout the years, but um, it's not necessarily like, you know, you're you're more likely for people to, be a football fan, a basketball fan, or a baseball fan, even. Um, but I was more so saying, even in hockey circles, yeah. like people know of Toronto, they know of Boston, yeah. they know of the Rangers. They have that right. global marketing but, within that hockey community that Ottawa doesn't have yeah. that I never thought they'd have. But it is pretty cool that, like, you know, if you can, like, just that the fact that, like, it doesn't even matter what celebrity this person is. It's like, yeah, oh, like. Like just from a hockey standpoint, it's like, oh, this is pretty cool that like, like a celebrity is a part of this ownership, and maybe it's just like a part of like a celebrity. This celebrity always wanted to own a team. He would have like owned uh, any of these guys would have owned a team if they were in like Arizona or something. You know, it's just they just want to own a hockey team. But even still, it's pretty cool that like, oh, like Ottawa, they are getting some people. They're getting some fame. Um, two things though, before we move on one, uh, Ryan Reynolds, he owns Wrexham, um, which is a soccer, like a tier four soccer club. And, uh, there's like a whole documentary about, uh, him. He also, uh, runs it with, um, a guy uh, named Rob McElhaney. I don't know if they have always sunny in Philadelphia in Canada, Steve, but, um, I have heard of that show, yes. Uh, but and yeah, I, he's a co-creator. I've there. never seen an episode, but uh, yeah. it has been televised here. I know that. But uh, but yeah, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhaney, they both own uh, a Wrexham, which is now doing really well, or they're they've now moved up, um, and I think now yeah. they're in tier three of the soccer leagues, and it's just really cool. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that like you know, there's a lot more publicity and media involved there. So I am curious if Ryan Reynolds does own the team, if there's going to be something similar to that, where like we, we see. That is also what I'm alluding to from a global branding yeah. point of view. That's another advantage right. that I think Reynolds is, is yeah. really going to put to yeah. Remington's advantage. Also, 
Um, I feel like there needs to be like I don't know if it's in the realm of a goal song like the, yeah. the Hartford Whalers had with Brass Bonanza, but we need something yep. to tie. This thing ties into the Ottawa Senators. When you think of this, you think of the Ottawa Senators. Right. I don't know what that something is, but just for the sake of you yeah. know, like promoting the team, yeah. I feel like that's that's one thing that's missing that could really put Ottawa on the map in terms of yeah. mainstream audience and all well, that. Well, that's a good point too. Um, just a slight detraction here, but um, the Sacramento Kings uh, this year they haven't made the playoffs since like 2002 or something like that. Except for until this year, and a big thing that they did was every home win, they would do something called light the bean, which is just yeah. you know a player or whoever would uh, touch a button, um, and then the stadium would like light up basically, um, and so I think that's what you're kind of alluding to, which would, would be pretty cool for something like that, or like that'd what, be cool. What the Blue Jackets do with their. Um, with, their, with the uh, cannon, with yeah. the cannons, how like Vegas has the little like stage thing, uh, or like yep. they have their like on ice entertainment thing before the games. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Or like how the Red Wings they throw the octopus. Although I don't think they do that anymore, do they? Um, but I don't know if they do. I'm sure if yeah. they get back into the playoffs, I'm they'll sure bring we'll that tradition it. back. I remember yeah. that was a playoff thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. That is a kind of a cool little thing that you could you could start doing is trying to figure that out. Um, and then secondly, um, what I wanted to mention was on Snoop Dogg, um, and I, I was just mentioning that it was like you know as you were alluding to that he wants to start like he wants to bring more uh, minority uh, players interested in hockey and this would be a way of doing it and, and being more of like a supporter of and trying to get like a youth hockey group league for uh, people of color um, involved, which is great. But, um, and, and you know, there is something to the fact of like, oh, and he's the owner of a team, so that, that does give some more stature. And so that is great. I don't want to knock it. But the only thing I will say is like, he doesn't have to own a team to do that. Like he could just... You work with Gary Bettman to to run a youth hockey group for kids in like um, not well off areas. Um, so, but but you know it was cool. when he was speaking on first take. I was like, oh okay, that's a cool idea. Or I love that that he's he's like he wants that initiative. But at the same time, it's like oh well, he could he doesn't have to own a team. He could just do this. <laughs> so. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, as as you're alluding to, it's just really cool that um, so many celebrities are involved, even from like a division rival. Although I don't think the Bruins and the Senators are really division rivals, but um, but uh, it is cool just to see it from a, as a hockey fan. Um, well, and, and even if like Snoop Dogg's party doesn't win this yeah. bid, you know they could be involved in another bidding True. process because you know. The Arizona Coyotes could be, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, that, that right. could be, you could be, you know, testing the water. It's just like, hey, if this doesn't work out, I put my name out there. Uh, this yep. Nico Sparks guy that I support, he seems like a very nice dude. No, you're right. Uh, you know, we could be a tag team and, you know, a potential NHL relocation in a different city. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, supposedly, I in, think according in, in a way, it's kind of a five-head mood. You can't, you, you can't really lose. Fair, fair. I, I guess I'm just saying it's like he could just do this youth 
hockey movement. Yeah, true. Without owning, but I, I, I feel, I feel like having the NHL platform definitely helps boost. But, any but even, even that, have. he could just work with Gary Bettman to have a yeah, league like this. That's true. <laughs> um, that's true. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm in support of it. But I, I, I just, I just wanted to like, make it, it's like, oh, okay, that is cool, but like. He doesn't necessarily have to own a team in order to do that. Yeah. Um, and he also has a lot of money as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I think there was, like, speculation, according to Kevin Weeks, that, like, Atlanta might be <laughs> coming back. <laughs> so, um, I know, I'm, like, laughing as I say that, but it's just, uh, like, it'd be, it'd be really funny if let, that's... I know they the, say the third time's the charm, but I don't think that works uh-huh. in sports. I don't know, but, like, when you were mentioning Especially that, like... Especially with two failed experiments going back to Canada. But, yeah, I know, but, like, when you were saying, like, Snoop Dogg could own another team, and if he wants to start the, the like, grow the sport from, uh, like, inner-city kids, it's like, oh, okay, you can move the I definitely team, think Atlanta would Atlanta. be the perfect place, like, from the ground up. If yeah. you want to make an impact, Snoop Dogg would be the perfect fit for that. Yep. For that yep. market. Yep. Um, all right, now we do have to get going, though. Uh, so there are fourteen, yes. four series, so a lot um, less to get to, and we don't have all the obituaries to talk about. But um, each each series did play two games, except for the Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes game uh, series, which just happened. Um, although I guess by the time you guys listen to this, there's going the Toronto and Florida game, which, um, is happening right now. And, um, and then the, um, Dallas Kraken, uh, series game is also going to be going, but, uh, for right now, and then game three of Vegas Edmonton is Monday. So by the end, by the time you hear this, the only game that hasn't played at least three games is Vegas Edmonton. Yeah, which by the way, it was the only game on Saturday. Um, I just felt like that was strange. Like, why? Like, it, it's not like I can get it if it's like a weekday, but like, Saturday is like when everyone's going to be watching something. So you just had to True. put it, you know, you just had to put like, maybe there was like a stadium thing and, and that's why they had to move it to a day, but um, it, it felt strange to me that there was only one game yesterday. Anyways, that's so the part part of the part of the reasoning for that. I might have an answer to that. Is uh, Blink One Eighty Two is visiting Scotiabank Arena? Okay, and uh, it should be noted that I feel like the NHL at this stage of the game. I realize once you get to the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals, it's practically impossible. Uh... But you want at least one game of hockey on every single night. Got it. Okay, and. There was a three-day gap between games between Toronto and Florida. Game two was Thursday. Game three is going on right now. And then game four is on Wednesday, which is another three-day gap. Uh, Yeah, that is strange. I think for the sake of scheduling and making sure a team plays every single night, it's uh, just how the chips fell. Yeah, yeah. you might be right, yeah. 
By the way, Scotiabank's in Toronto. That's the uh, yes, Florida Leafs place. formerly the Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank yeah. Arena. For those, you curious. know, yeah. I mean, they're like I'm a hockey fan, obviously, and Toronto's in my division. I didn't know that. So I had to look it up. So I, I was like, Scotiabank. it's been like that for a few yeah. years, but yeah, I think it was around COVID wasn't time it? when uh, yeah, wasn't it called Air Canada? It was called that since it opened in uh, the early 2000s. Uh, they just recently changed that. Interesting. Okay. And they Anyways. changed it a couple of years ago to Scotiabank Arena. Anyways, uh, so Florida and Toronto, uh, yeah, they play, they're playing right now, but the series is 2 nothing Florida. I do see that Toronto just scored from Sam Lafferty. So we'll of see. Of all people. Of all people. God bless Kyle Dubas. He yep. looks more like a genius every day with those trades. Yep. By the way, for each of these series, like instead, of, usually I guess we recap each game, but um, I think we're just gonna do like the takeaways that we've had so far because I, I think both of us were we're pretty busy, so we just tend yeah. to. Also, I've been trying to like since the Bruins loss, I've been trying to like watch less hockey because I just. <laughs> Emotionally, I'm just like, right, I'll, I'll pay attention again eventually, and I, I do have this podcast, but um, there's only so much you can take. Um, but uh, so I haven't, so I'll say I haven't watched every single game, but um, I do have some points, or I've seen, um, you know, glimpses of every single series that we've, uh, that has happened so far. Um the thing that that's interesting about Florida, this Florida Toronto series, and I, I guess I, I am correct that like, it is it has been a struggle for the Maple Leafs, um, and I, I think this is what the Bruins started to realize is that Florida is just intense. <laughs> they they can they'll pummel you. It's not just Radko Gudis and Sam Bennett last year. You add Matthew Kachuk, and then that adds like an extra layer layer. Of physicality that they've never had before, um, and and that just that just tracks in the in the playoffs, and that's something that like it just tires teams out and all that stuff. So, um, in particular, Sam Bennett, um, he um, he went to check Matthew Nyes, um, and Matthew Nyes, uh, it was an illegal hit. I believe Sam Bennett got fined for it. He didn't get suspended. Um, uh, so he got sus- he got fined, not suspended, yeah. for cross-checking Michael Bunting in front of the net twice. Right. But oh, oh, so it wasn't I don't even think for he Matthew. Actually, Nice. got disciplined for that hit in particular. Was oh, oh, I I thought it was for Matthew Nyes, like what he like he basically pummeled Matthew Nyes. But okay, yeah, that yeah. that was that was a bit suspect. But no, the the yeah. punishment was for the Bunting cross-check. Ah, interesting. Okay, um, but like even still, like, like I feel like there, like he ha- he does have a history of being like extra physical in the playoffs, um, but like I don't know, I feel like he should have been suspended at least one game for that hit on Matthew Nyes. But yeah, even even like a cross check on Bunting, I feel like he should be suspended for that. Like I haven't seen it though, so it's hard for me to judge, but. Um, but yeah, I feel like Sam Bennett may have gotten off easy. I am curious to see what he does in the future, but it's like, I don't know if like a fine will do anything, really. Um, and I, I guess, obviously, we'll see, But and that's a part of his game. Um, but yeah, Florida has been uh, dominating from that standpoint. Um, 
I, uh, I noticed here that in terms of guys that are doing well against Toronto right now, Matthew Kachuk has four assists. Um, he's kind of making his way, as I alluded to last week. I think there's like there's a tier, which is Connor McDavid. He's on a tier on his own. Then tier two, you have your Leon Dreisaitl's, your Austin Matthews, your uh, Nathan McKinnon's, your Kale McCars. Um, I think Matthew Kachuk is in that tier right now. Um, but uh, so he, he's certainly doing that. It also appears that Alex Barkov has woken up uh, three points in these two games um, as well. And also I was, I was surprised to see this, but because uh, he didn't really uh, do a ton um, in the Boston series, but Anton Lundell, he's kind of, he's kind of done some stuff. Oh, yeah, in the, in the Toronto series, I've yeah. noticed him on the score sheet a little bit. Yeah, yeah two points in these two game in two games. Obviously, we don't know, or it's it's not updated yet, um, and they're still playing. But um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. On uh, the Toronto side of things, Austin Matthews, uh, or sorry, Ryan O'Reilly has two points. Austin Matthews has two points so far in t- these two games. Um, and then Morgan Riley has two points. Um, I, I will say the scores, it's 4-2. The Game 1 ended in 4-2, and then Game 2 ended 3-2. Um, so so there's that. But, uh, yeah, what what is your takeaways on uh, on this series? So um, I think early starts are going to be very important in this series. I know they typically are. But... Um, Toronto got their first goal of Game 3, 226 in. They built up a 2-0 lead within the first couple of minutes in Game 2. And you're going to say, yeah, well, they lost 3-2. If Toronto plays like they did in the first period and the third period of Game 2, Florida could be in trouble very, very fast. And uh, we're starting to see a more cautious approach from both teams, I think, here, because uh, the shots currently, with 5.05 left in the first period of Game 3, 5-3 for Florida, and Toronto has scored on one of their three shots. So I feel like both teams are trying to be a bit defensively cautious here um, because these teams have pieces to just open the game up. And we've already seen what Florida can do in Game 6 against Boston. They can put up five or six on you pretty quick. And they yeah. they have that hard-working group that is also tough to contain as well. That's that's one thing about the Panthers is you don't see them get outworked too much. And, you know, with that two-to-nothing hole early in game two, you know, for a lot of teams, and even we saw it in, in, uh, in Carolina in game three of their series against New Jersey, um, that gaping hole became too much for them to overcome but for whatever reason, Florida was able to weather the storm. Bobrovsky was able to hold his team in it, hold the fort down, and then they got their legs. They got some momentum late in the first. They carried that over into a bang-bang sequence in the second period, and that's how they won the game. Mm-hmm. They got a 2 nothing series lead based on their ability to outwork the least. And we talk about Matthew Kachuk's impact on the score sheet in game one, he had like two or three assists. He also had nine hits, Brad. Yeah. And 
That's that's the other thing about Matthew Kachuk is his ability to uh, intimidate and get under your skin, as I'm sure your Bruins have also noticed well, that's what uh, I as well. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately um, it's going to come down to goaltending. I think Bobrovsky narrowly has been better than Samsonov. Samsonov hasn't been the guy that we've seen in the Tampa series. And game three is going to be absolutely huge for him. I think the Leafs have the ability, um, and I'm probably jinxing them by saying this, I think, and we're going to find out, obviously, the answer to one of those two things. I think they are capable of taking both games in Florida and going back to Toronto tied at two. And after that, we'll see what happens. But I just think they had that extra day to really get focused for this game get a clear head, and really get the series back in their favor. It, it seemed almost inevitable as game two was winding down, the Leafs were due for a goal. They were going to score a goal, they were going to tie the game, and they were going to force overtime, and they just ran out of time. If they do everything in their power to get pucks on Bobrovsky, get bodies in front of the net, they're going to get enough chances to win the hockey game, and they're going to cash in. Hmm. Um, I I think Florida's ability to weather the storm is only going to work to a certain extent. And then if the Leafs get to Bobrovsky, they get Alex Lyon. And at, at that point, anything happens. Um, so there's, there's that to consider. I also noticed that uh, Sheldon Keefe uh, had some comments um, about uh, the Sam Bennett incidents in, in Game Two, I think that was more of a decoy by Sheldon Keefe, just to kind of yeah. you know, get the pressure off his team a little bit, and just to be talking about you know what would, wait, a particular what was, incident that happened. And coaches do it all the time. Uh, do you do you have the quote, or can you paraphrase the quote? I, do. I don't have the I don't have the exact quote, um, but um, I, I remember Freeman on the panel saying, "Oh yeah, those comments are a decoy." It's 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 a decoy yeah, to get us I, oh, to I stop think, the fact that Toronto's. Well, I, I believe it was, I believe it was something. I, I guess I could look this up, but I'm lazy. <laughs> um, but I, I think if I remember, because I did see this the other day, I think he was just complaining, saying that yeah, the Leafs get penalized a lot or uh, something like that. But um, it was a way to like get at the the refs, saying like yeah, we're we're getting penalized a lot, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I feel, I feel like Sheldon Keith has a habit of doing that, or I, a lot of coaches do that. I, I remember last year when Cassidy would complain about the refs in the Islanders series. Um, so, so I, I just feel like uh, like this is what just coaches do as a tactic. Like when all else fails, they they'll just complain about the refs and hope it hope it changes. Um, we'll see. Um, Okay. The other the other thing that I will say is that Matthews and Marner showed up and they yeah. were easily the best players on the Maple Leafs and John Tavares had a couple of clutch moments. Um, I didn't see that as much in games one and two and a lot of that is to the credit of the Florida Panthers right. forecheck and her ability to hunker down. Yeah. They're getting chances. The big guys for Toronto need to cash in. If they yeah. don't, uh, it's a series that the Leafs are going to lose. By the way, they... Um this is kind of unrelated, but there was like a, I think there was a, I think I showed this to you, but um, there was a, a, like there's this father daughter duo that goes to Toronto home games. They wear, like they were spotted wearing a Florida Panthers Jersey 
And uh, they were also <laughs> they were the same people who wore a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, uh, like you know, in the previous series. Um, and apparently, this is just something that they do. They just they just go to like they live in Toronto. They hate the Leafs, and they just go to these games wearing, pretending to be. They opponents. also purchase jerseys of the teams that they are cheering for to be yeah. Toronto. Yep. Like and, even sends jerseys from the two thousands they have, and they're they're Habs fans um, as well. So it's just like that just takes they hate. have season tickets with, in Toronto, which is already pricey enough. Yeah, yeah, it's just funny they they get them just so that they can hate on them. Um, I love it. it it's it's, I, it's fan dumb, dedication. But, yeah. It's fan dedication to the absolute extreme, absolutely yeah. unnecessary. But I also kind of like it. Uh, Carter Verhage, also a guy that I'm really yeah. watching in this series, a Toronto kid that yeah, was Leafs' property. He had one shot in Game One, but he made it count. It was on a breakaway against Samsonov, and it was the defining moment in Game One. Hmm. Uh, look for more game-defining moments for Carter Verhage, largely because it yeah. seems like the Toronto kids always punk the Leafs. Uh, yeah. Nick Paul a few years ago. Um, it could be Verhage this year. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I. I guess I, you know, I did predict Florida in seven. Um, I, I assume you, like, just judging from what you just said, I, I assume you you still believe in the Leafs. Um, I believe. I, be- I believe because this, this, this is a team that seems to yep. fight through adversity and find a way. Yep. And if they have to... If they have to get another exorcism and uh, win a game seven, then by by golly, they'll do it. Yeah, I I didn't think the Panthers were going to like I well I, I when we were recording it was game one. Um, I didn't expect them to win also win game two, um, and I just thought it was going to be a close series throughout. So um, that's really what I'm hoping for. Like I I really don't care who wins this series, um, but. Um, uh, but I, I do, I, I still think that Florida is going to pull it out. Um, but cause I, I, I feel like I would, uh, like I didn't learn anything if, if I, uh, from the Bruins Panthers series, if I go and pick the Leafs and don't take the Panthers seriously. So, um, in the day, uh, the Florida Panthers haven't made it to the conference final since 96 yeah. when they went to the finals. And the Leafs haven't done it since '02. Since those uh, conference finals appearances from those respective teams, hmm. the Sens have made it to the conference finals three times. Yep. Uh, so, needless to say, both of these teams have waited a long time to get to the Final Four. One of them's going to do it. So, the fame of one pay- of one fan base to an extent is going to be shed finally, and uh, the other will continue. So, we'll see who ends up being the victor. But. That's, that's the thing I like about hockey and about sports in general, is these type of stories, teams that have never won the Cup or haven't won it in like 20, 30, however many years, um, these are the teams that are still in the hunt, and one of them is finally going to shed that choker label that uh, they've grown over the years and win the darn thing. So, yep. uh, yeah, it, that that's that's why you watch the playoffs is for moments like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, uh, let's go to Carolina, New Jersey. Um, so I've been looking at NHL.com for these stats just to see, uh, like, for the last two games. Uh, but they haven't updated uh, Game 3, so I am kind of at a loss. But 
I do, because this kind of did surprise me, though, because, uh, so the Panthers, oh, sorry, the Panthers, I was thinking the football team, Carolina, <laughs> but Carolina beat, um, so the first two games, um, the Carolina Hurricanes, almost the Panthers again, um, they, Carolina Panthers defeated the New York Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, yeah, basically in the Stanley Cup Finals. Man, yeah, that that would be a matchup. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, Carolina beat New Jersey five to one in Game One. They beat them six to one in Game on uh, uh, Game Two on Friday. Um, so this isn't updated for Game Three yet, but do you have a guess on who scored the most points for Carolina in those two games? It might still be uh, the who case. Who got yeah. the most points for Carolina in those two games? Yep. Uh, in games one and two. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Uh, it, it might still be the case, uh, but uh, that they had a lot of point, uh, but um, it's not updated yet from according to NHL. I'm going to say Seth Jarvis. Uh, close, but it's actually Jordan Martinook. Uh, that was my second guess. Oh, it's a second guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, uh, so Martinook had four points. Uh, Jesper, uh, Jesperi Ka- Niemi um, had three goals, which I thought was uh, crazy. Um, yeah, Martinook had two points today as well. Okay, so he probably still has the most points out of of the three games uh, for the Canes. Um, and then you have uh, Katka Niemi, Jesper Fast. Um, so two guys named Jesper. Um, uh, three points. Um, Jordan Stahl, three points. Again, these these haven't been updated yet, but these are just in the first two games. Um, and then in the third game, uh, game three, uh, this was the uh, Lindy Ruff made two adjustments. One, uh, he replaced uh, Kira Schmid with um, uh, Vitek Vanacek. And yeah. and then he also uh, put in Luke Hughes, uh, Jack Hughes' brother. Um, and, um, and yeah, the Devils won 8-4. to four, So the series is now 2-1 to one Carolina. Um, and also this game was in New Jersey, the first two games were in Carolina, so it might just be... It's one of those things where it's... Yeah, yeah, even though Jersey got blown out in the first two games, that doesn't mean that they're over. Also, they got blown out by the Rangers in the round one in the first two games, and then they started to take off. So a similar thing could start to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, and I guess that's, that's the join there. Um, so I would say what... New Jersey did, but um, in for the first two games. But I will say that that's not going to do well because they just, you know, they only scored two goals in those two games. Yeah, they had two total goals. But I will say, uh, so Luke Hughes did have two assists. Uh, his brother Jack Hughes had four points, two goals, two assists. Um, and then other guys who stood out, uh, Timo Meyer started the thing. Uh, he had one goal, but uh, but that was good. Um, I believe he has some injury concerns, so it's, it's unclear if he's 100%, but Timo Meyer did score a goal. Dawson Mercer with three assists. And then um, the other one I wanted to mention was oh, Nico Heischer had one goal and one assist. Um, so 
Also, uh, Luke and Jack Hughes assisted on the same goal, which was yeah, pretty nice. It was pretty cool. Um, and they show, I don't know if Quinn Hughes was in the stadium, but they did show his father, the, their father um, in the stadium. So I know that his father was there. I don't know if his mother was there or their mother were there, but um, but it was kind of cool just seeing it's like, just imagine being the Hughes brothers' father. It would just be nuts. Um, because you would you would be like a Devils fan, but you're also like, oh right, I have a son in, in Vancouver, who's also very good. This so, is also a needless stat, but I wanted to point it out. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the final ten minutes or so of the game, Andre Palat scored a power play goal. It was the first and only power play goal of the game. Mm-hmm. There were four shorthanded markers, three of which were scored by the Hurricanes. Yeah. Very random. But very true, that did happen. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like, I, I think after game two, I remember emailing you saying like, I guess Akira Schmidt isn't as good as we, we thought he was. Big surprise here. Uh, I kid, of course. Uh, but um, and I, yeah, I was just confused. It's like, I guess you have to go with Vanacek because that's like a big reason why the yeah, Devils... No uh, not only that, but the, the the like the reason why the Devils took a step this year was because they got Vanacek, and Vanacek was the reason why they were so good. It's like, yeah, I know Schmid was on fire, and so I, I get why Ruff went with him in the first two games, but it's like, it comes a point where you're just like, oh, just just do what got you there, um, and, you know, stick with Vanacek. So, I mean, obviously that works, so so that's that's kind of what ended up happening. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been, um, it's been an interesting series and I'm sure it's gonna like, it might, it might turn out to be this very similar series to what the Rangers Jersey thing does. They, right after that goalie switch, um, they, you know, Jersey is a different team and they're back to what we, um, what they were for most of the regular season. So, um, so it's very possible that this is just like New Jersey is just going to take it, take over now. Uh, what's what's your take on this series? Well, I I think it similar to games one and two, the most experienced team won the day, um, and if if today was any indication, um, the New Jersey Devils are kind of reminding me of the '06 Hurricanes that um, at times looked like they were dead in the water. And then they reeled their season back in, and then they caught fire, and no one could stop them. And they had a young goaltender named Cam Ward, and also Martin Gerber, who came in from time to time. And there wasn't really a consensus number one goalie at the start. It started off with Martin Gerber in the Montreal series. They fell behind. I think it was 2 nothing in the series. Then they went to Cam Ward, and they survived, and they got to the second round. Then they faced the New Jersey Devils, who everyone thought, oh, well, this is where the joyride ends. Mm-hmm. And then Cam Ward just couldn't lose, and they beat the Devils. And then they went up against the Buffalo Sabres in a very entertaining seven-game series. It started with Cam Ward and net, then they turned to Gerber. He was good for about a game and a half. And then he struggled. Then they went back to Cam Ward. They got the job done. They rode Cam Ward the rest of the way, and they took down the Oilers to win the Cup in seven games. This this could be a 2006 Hurricanes vibes type of team. Just because of the firepower that they have, I think they can afford 
to maybe fall behind a game or two and it doesn't matter and they'll just find ways to win. And, you know, Lindy Ruff might be a guy that's in the league a while and maybe a guy that's um, maybe lost a step or two a bit in terms of, um, you know, coaching, winning coaching. But um, this season, um, they've had a couple of bumps in the road and they've been able to get back on the rails at a relatively quick pace and just keep moving forward to the next game and then keep getting results. Um, and, and this New Jersey team is different than previous New Jersey teams that we've seen in the postseason. So um, I, I still think uh, I, I still think the Devils are capable of taking this series. Obviously, they're going to need another huge performance in Game 4 for that to happen. I don't think they take down the Hurricanes if it's a 3-1 deficit. Um, but, I mean... Never say never, I guess, <laughs> yeah. in the NHL, especially with the way this playoffs has gone. We all thought Boston and Colorado were locks to advance, and, you know, maybe there was a chance that uh, Tampa finds a way to continue to curse Toronto, and they advance too, but all three of those teams are out. So, um, you know, the Devils might be looking at themselves and saying, hey, you know, a lot of the heavyweights are out of the picture. This is our time to go on a run. Let's not waste any time. Let's just get right after it. Mm-hmm. These guys are probably favored to win this series. They're probably favored to go to the conference finals. They might be favored to win the Stanley Cup now. Um, but we're going to play our game, and we're not going to let them intimidate us. And Game 3 was a huge tipping point in the series for me. And if if Carolina's uh, goaltending becomes injury-prone, which is possible, or... They start becoming a leaky faucet, which, you know, I, I feel like for most of the season that hasn't been the case. But, you know, sometimes uh, you, you get a rough eight days in the spring and uh, the season turns against you. So yeah, yeah. Um, may, maybe the Hurricanes are due for a couple of bad goaltending performances in a row. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting because I I feel like obviously game three was like the exact opposite of what happened in games one and two. So it's like hard to really get a gauge on what's going to happen now moving forward. But um, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, something that's kind of interesting, and we'll we'll see what goes on. All I do know is the team in red will advance. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so now we'll move to Dallas and Seattle. Uh, so that series is 1-1. Um, I, I, I think during the preview, we weren't necessarily sure um, if Joe Pavelski was going to be healthy. And on that night, in fact, uh, not only was Joe Pavelski healthy, he uh, scored four goals that night. Um, but yeah. what was crazy is that team... Uh, the Dallas Stars ended up losing that game. Um, it was the only OT game um, so far in round two, believe it or not. Uh, but, um, yeah, he uh, Joe Pavelski had four goals. I was rooting for the fifth goal. Uh, but it, would be, it would be pretty cool or, like, one of those things that you'll always remember. It's like, oh, right, remember that time when Joe Pavelski returned and he had five goals? I mean, you'll still remember that he had four goals, but it, it doesn't mean as much when... The stars. I'm lose, curious what his but, celebration would have been if he scored a fifth. We yeah. all know what Joe Thornton's would have been if he got a fourth. No, I know, but I know. 
A well, five-goal performance in the playoffs? Like, that, yeah. I feel like that would be something we haven't seen in decades. Right, right, right. Of course. you. Uh, that, but, uh, I mean, he was on the same team as T- Thomas Hurdle uh, for that five-goal. Yep, season. when he had that four-goal um, outing. Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, but it would it would have been pretty cool if uh, if we could have saw like that. But you know, either way, uh, Yanni Gord ends up scoring um, in overtime. But it was kind of funny because uh, yeah, Joe Pavelski scored two goals in the third period to tie the game, um, and then yeah, Yanni Gord scores um, uh, eight minutes into overtime. Uh, and then what's uh, also remarkable is that the Kraken were able to just get a leg up on the Stars yeah. in such quick succession, like yeah. three goals in less than a minute. Yep. You know, for for a team that seemed like Joe Pavelski was just going to have a night, and there was nothing they could do to stop them, yeah. and they're just like, "Ah, watch this!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. scored three times. Um, and then in Game Two, uh, Dallas Stars like pretty much had control for the entire way. I know it was four two, yeah. but. Um, they were they were pretty much in control the entire time. Uh, what was interesting was Wyatt Johnson got a goal, um, and that was the night when Matty Beniers, uh, Owen Power, and Stuart Skinner were nominated for the Calder. Um, I, we'll we'll talk about the awards um, um, in a future episode, of course, but um, like we usually do. But uh, I thought Wyatt Johnson should have gotten the Calder. I I, I think um, Rick Bonus was no Rick Bonus the. Uh, Peter DeBoer was asked about like why Johnston's performance afterwards, and uh, uh, DeBoer was saying it's like yeah he should have he like uh, he was just saying like first off I just want to say that why Johnston should have gotten nominated for that Calder, um, and um, yeah so uh, but yeah he scored um, I, I what I find interesting is is that Jason like when you think of the stars obviously you think of Jason Robertson. You think of Rupe Hints. They haven't really scored at all during this series, uh, which I think is is just kind of surprising here. Um, uh, let me just pull this up quickly. Because um, I don't think Jason Robertson has even scored yet. Yeah, Robertson hasn't scored, scored in these two games. And I think, let me see if Hints has. Um, and Hints hasn't either. Um, so, and which is kind of crazy too, considering that it's usually been Hints, Robertson, and Pavelski as that line, um, and uh, and that wasn't the case. So Pavelski just scored those four goals without Hints or Robertson. Um, so I, you know, it's it's interesting that I know that they kind of uh, took control in game two, but it's just inc- it's just impressive that they were able to do that without their two best players. Um, so um, so I am just curious to see what, what's going to happen uh, once those guys get going. Um, you know, not to knock Tyler Sagan, who's been good, um, or uh, let me see, who's the other one that's been good for Seattle? Um, obviously, Joe Pavelski, uh, Y Johnson, uh, he has two points. Um, Tyler Sagan has two points. There are so, two veterans that have actually chimed in. Uh, Evgeny Dadonov has oh, yeah. four goals, and uh, Max Domi in these playoffs has had six yeah. helpers, too. A guy yeah. that everyone thought, eh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, He's not like the prize jewel, but yeah, yeah. one of those unsung trade deadline heroes that you know could really make an impact in the postseason well, environment. Well, if I remember correctly, I uh, let me just look this up really quickly. First, while I stall, I believe... He assisted on all four of those 
goals from Pavelski. Uh, let me just double check on that. Okay, he assisted on the first goal. Uh, he didn't on the second goal, but he did on the third and the fourth. So maybe, yeah. So I guess Max Domi with Pavelski has helped for sure. Yeah. Um, on the Seattle side of things, um, Jordan Eberle has been good. Um, he has uh, three points in these two games. Uh, Yanni Gord with two points. Oh, one, one of the goals was to uh, for the OT winner. Vince Dunn with two points. Um, Ty Carte with another goal. Um, so, so that's been cool. But yeah, this was another one where it's like you're expecting that uh, Matthew, uh, Matty Beneers is going to start to take over, but he hasn't been as impressive lately. Um, so we, maybe he'll he'll start to show up. Yeah, he has one assist. Yeah, Vince Again, Dunn got his second assist uh, on the Ty Carte goal of these playoffs yeah. as well, and he was their top-scoring yeah. defenseman too. Yeah, two assist, two assists, uh, zero goals in these two games. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, I I mean, of course, like Jake Oninger, I think is actually the best goaltender of these eight r- remaining teams yeah. now. So it's like you know, it, even if Seattle doesn't score a ton, um, it's like it's, there's no shame in that. But um, and and I think like no matter what happens to Seattle, they'll call the season a success, and they should. Uh, but it's yeah, um, they're playing with house money right now. Exactly, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I still think that Seattle has some fight left in them, um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see this go to six or seven games. But uh, but yeah, perhaps Dallas will start to um, be be very dangerous right now. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think I think Dallas uh, at the end of the day, just because of their death, as we mentioned, is going to be too strong for the Kraken. Mm-hmm. But like you said, six or seven games, Seattle's not going to be a pushover. Yeah. They'll 100% give Dallas all they can handle. And the other thing that I was looking at, we were talking about uh, briefly, Miro Heiskanen's ability to shut down the other team's top defenders, how well he did against Minnesota. And he really thrives uh, at shutting down the top scorers. A lot of the Dallas forwards do. Uh, I was just taking a look at the uh, largest um, shorthanded minutes played out of skaters in the NHL this year. And the top two are on Dallas. That mm. would be um, Essa Lindell, who is first, and Yanni Hockenpah, who's second. Yeah. Um, and they just thrive on shutting down the other team's top players. When you look at Seattle, like, do they have a guy you can point to and say that's their top player? Yeah. It's just like on any given night, that guy's their top player. Oh, but uh, the last night it was this guy. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow could be this guy as well. So, like, that's That's a good thing. That's the other thing. As we mentioned, their ability to run all four lines and execute on all four lines is what makes them so tough, so unpredictable to play against. And that's arguably why they're they're a solid team offensively as they've been. Yeah. And a lot of that is five on five because, as we've mentioned, um, their special teams, their power play is bottom ten, bottom twelve yeah. ish in the league. But they do a lot of damage five on five. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I was just saying. It's like even if Robertson and Hints uh, have been no shows, like. Yeah, they're still winning games. Like I'm still confident they're going to win the series, even when their two best players aren't performing as well as we expect them to. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess on that the same, similar note, like, if if the Stars somehow lose this series, then that's going to be something where we're going to be like, oh, well, Hintz needs to step up. Robertson needs to step up. Yeah. So, um, well, and, yeah. and I was also alluding to Seattle's uh, talent, as I was saying. Like, yeah. it's it, one day it can be Yanni Gord. The yeah. other day it can be Jordan Everlay. Maybe freaking Brandon Tandev is the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. next one to go yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's Sports oh, I got it, as got well, it. and and you, you can say that about both teams as well, but uh, uh, more so Seattle because yeah, of it. their top okay. five offense and the fact that their power play hasn't been that got big it. of a threat. Their weapon is scoring five on five. You Fair. can say the same for Dallas as well, but I was mostly getting uh, to that point of when <laughs> you're the, the Dallas Stars and you love showing down the top players. Well, who's Seattle's top player? Yep. It's tough to really determine because they don't have that number one guy where you point to and say, it. "Oh yeah, it's obviously this guy." Right, we gotta right. shut this guy down. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I thought you were talking about the Stars, although I guess yeah, it makes but the sense. argument can be made to the Stars yeah, yeah. too. Like, well, I, I feel like teams are lower. Well, that's that's why I down. that's why I thought you were talking about the stars because it's like they're like yeah their top guys aren't scoring. Yeah, it was it, so. it was it was a failed attempt at a segue to 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 a broader point, but yeah. No, no, no. I, I liked yeah. it. It's it, it wasn't failed. I, I got your point, but it is. Uh, we we eventually got to point. B, we got we got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that I forgot to mention last uh, last season or uh, last week. Uh, but it was pointed out by uh, another hockey podcast that I listened to um, that if Seattle wins this series, um, that would mean that would be the first time a te- uh, non-division team wins like a conference championship title. Not oh in their division. Oh, that's right. That hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet since this playoff. How many game. years have we done this as well? Uh, like, it's 2014, yeah. I think. I, I think, think it was since that, the first year I think it was existed. since that, like, uh, shortened season in 2013. So That's crazy. I, yeah, I believe that would be 10 years, yeah. Um, huh. So that would be, be crazy if, if that does happen, but I don't, who knows. Um all right, let's go to Edmonton and Vegas. Um, yeah, yeah. This was one of those ones where it's like, I, th- I think Vegas's strategy is like, okay, we we've given up on defending Leon Drysital, even though we have Mark Stone, we we've given up. Um, which is crazy because it's like we're just gonna fight Evander yeah. Kane as much as possible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Evander Kane got in a fight with Keegan Colsar. There's been some bad blood between those two. Um, there were allegations yeah. Um, yeah. from the Vegas side that um, that uh, the Oilers were targeting Mark Stone's yeah. injured back, which I don't know how much evidence you can yeah. prove to that. I mean, like, yeah. cross-checks to the back are kind of, like, commonplace, yeah. and I, I get, you know, all you should show common courtesy to yeah. that as well. But, I mean, yeah. I, uh, so I can Kane, see why they're pissed about it, but still. Yeah, yeah. Evander Kane said... Um, uh, when you want to f around, sometimes you got to find out about this this incident. There's also a, there's also an image I haven't shared this with you, Steve, but uh, you can see a Vander Kane arguing with a Vegas fan <laughs> between the glass. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny image. I think it was um, more of the fan just giving him the middle finger yeah, than yeah, any yeah. arguing. But but then a Vander Kane's just like explaining it while the refs are trying to hold him back. It's it's pretty funny, but. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you can say what you want about Evander Kane, but that that is that'll like, probably be the meme of this series. Not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for for a while now. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of those quotes where you know that famous like, if you f around, uh, find like you know don't f around and find out or something. So, so that's what uh, that's what Evander Kane was saying. It's just like, all right, well, yeah. they found out. Um, and the, the Sharks Knights rivalry might be semi dead, but the Evander yeah. Kane versus Vegas rivalry is definitely not. That is true. Yeah, they he has history with. Still that hate team. his guts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hate on both sides. He hates them. They hate him. Yeah, if only Ryan Reeves was on the Golden Knights or whatever. But, uh, but yeah. imagine if imagine in order in an effort to protect McDavid, Edmonton signs Ryan Reeves. Oh, that'd be season. funny. That'd be very funny. Um, I don't think that I would do that, but because like Evander probably Kane, won't <laughs> happen. But that Kane. that would be funny though. Evander Kane has kind of stepped up their level because if you've noticed that like. When Evander Kane was out of the team, um, not on the team this year, this season, like, the Oilers didn't play that well. And then when Evander yep. Kane started to uh, come in, he was like, "All right, yeah, all right, Connor McDavid's good, Connor <laughs> Drysaddle's good." Um, but we should we should mention that on the same night that Joe Pavelski had those four goals, Leon Drysaddle also had four goals, and not only that. His team also lost <laughs> that game too, uh, so it's pretty. And crazy. they lost in regulation. They and didn't they even make regulation. it until yeah, they didn't and even they lost go by two goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, Leon Drysaitel also scored two goals in the in the next game as well, um, which is why I was just saying it's like thirteen goals in eight yeah. games. I feel like I feel like just the the Golden Knights are just like they stopped trying to to protect Leon Dreisaitl. They're just, like, assuming he's going to score. Which is funny, because it's like, Leon Dreisaitl isn't, like, it isn't even an argument, but he's the second-best player on the team. And he's just, like, he's been automatic um, in this. And then, meantime, Carter McDavid just pulls yeah. off the sickest... Oh, yeah, yeah, watch this Watch this drive play right. short-handed. Yeah. Like, just, bang, yeah. picks... Shea Theodore's pocket. Yep. Then Shea Theodore tries to take it back, and, and he's like, yep. ah, no. Then he just makes a strong move on Bersois, doesn't even put much on his shot, yep. and it beats him clean. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, like, that's the that's, other thing. That's, that's the type of play that only Connor McDavid can make. Yeah, I mean, there's like Wayne Gretzky, but yes, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> he's one of the few. Um, but uh, Sega today's players. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just one of those things where you're watching this series and you're just like, like, even like both Connor McDavid, it's just like unfair, like that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are on the same team. Like even just having one of those guys on your team is, it's a cheat code. It's just having both those guys is another cheat code. Um, so it's just unfair. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought that like Mark Stone would be able to better defend because that is kind of what he's known for is being a good defensive forward. So that's kind of why I thought Mark Stone would, um, or that's why I still thought Vegas was going to win. I might be swayed to change my pick, but I, I feel like I'd, I'd be a pansy to say that. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change my pick. I still think Vegas is going to win in seven, but um, but yeah, it's it's the shakiest prediction of the four predictions I have. 
Um, but yeah, I I'll, I'll, I'm interested to see how this this is a this has been an exciting series, even though like both games haven't really been close. Um, I will also I do want to shout out uh, Evan Bouchard. It seems like he's taken another level four points in these two games. Um, so yeah, he's you know I think there was talk that like Evan Bouchard like who's going to be the defense who's going to step up for the Edmonton Oilers, and it appears that that's going to be Ed, Ed, um, Edward, <laughs> Evan Bouchard. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's been he's been very good, and a big reason why the Oilers are um, are how, where they are right now. Um, ooh, I just saw that Florida scored. Um, so it's a tie game yeah. now. Um, yeah. Um, more, more heart attacks to the Leafs, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> just, just taking a look at Edmonton's power play, I mentioned they were 14 for 25. I saw a Sportsnet stat um, uh, during the morning highlights this morning, and uh, was – comparison to the 81 Islanders power play eight games into their run. One of the most, uh, it was a graphic of some of the most productive power plays through eight games of a playoff run in NHL history. Uh, there was one year where the Colorado Avalanche were just straight up killing it. And I can't remember what the other team was, but basically all three of the other teams mentioned in that graphic had more power play chances to score then the Oilers, 25 opportunities. And the Edmonton Oilers are scoring at easily over a 50% clip through their first eight games on the power play. Like, that's how OP, that's how automatic their special teams is right now. Yeah. And as Connor McDavid proved, as I mentioned last night, they can score shorthanded too, no problem. Yep. So, like, I don't care how good Vegas' roster is. Like, how do you defend against a team in a situation that isn't five on five, mm. <laughs> you really, you, you need, you need red hot starts to games. Yeah. You need uh, to basically not give them anything. And they gave, and they took the fewest penalties in round one against Winnipeg. And uh, as the LA Kings have proven, even taking the second most, has yeah. nothing to uh, slow down the Oilers power play prowess it, it you, you run out of words in the english language to describe just how talented and uh, that their top heavy offense is yep um particularly number 97 and number 29 yep. and that's largely why i picked the oilers to win this series even though i said in seven mm. like vegas is good but those two as we saw in round one two and three last year most of that was on Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl's shoulders, and they're proving it again. So yep. unless you stop one or both, um, you're not stopping the Edmonton offense. Like, it yep. runs through them, and everyone's just picking up the pace right along with them. It, it, it would not shock me if the Edmonton Oilers get to the Stanley Cup Finals, they get swept, and either McDavid or Draisaitl still win the Smythe. Yeah, like they're 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 playing at that ridiculous pace right now. Yeah, they've been playing really well. Obviously, um, I will mention though that I feel like, like you know, what's what's interesting about the playoffs and what makes it so different from the regular season is calls and penalties aren't called as often, um, and so that just makes it so that teams aren't as reliant on the power play. 
Um, so it is impressive that, you know, the Oilers are scoring a lot on the power play. And as you're mentioning, it's like as soon as the Oilers are on a power play, it's like, okay, forget about it. They're going to score. Um, and even when you're on a power play, uh, they're probably going to score too. Um, so it doesn't matter if you, it, like the power play systems, but that still, you know, like we, we've talked about this enough. I hate to be like the wet blanket on the Oilers here, but I'm going to be a wet blanket on the Oilers. Um, yes, obviously McDavid and Drysdale are incredible. Best two players in the league, bar none. I, there still needs to be some defense <laughs> to win <laughs> win in the playoffs. You can't just have, like, the two best players in the league um, win you games. They have to play defense. Um, and you also have to have the other guys on the team also play defense. So um, so there there is, like, you know, the, the Oilers are probably the, like, like, in that sense, like, they're fun to watch. But because they're so volatile, like they're they're not great defensively, but they are phenomenal, amazing. Like I, I can't even describe like amazing doesn't even do it justice. They're amazing on the offense. So uh, but like there does come a point when it's like, okay, well they'll have to be defensively sound. Can they win those close games? I'm not sure if they can. Uh, so um, yeah, it's great for hockey uh, to see Connor McDavid. Like, I so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, some of them aren't don't cover hockey sports podcasts. I've heard so much about Connor McDavid, or like pe- people like tuning in, the casual fan just tuning in, watching Connor McDavid, and they want to see this guy. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, Leon Dreisaitl, he's very good." So it is great for hockey. I just. Um, I'm not convinced necessarily that uh, the style of play is going to get it done um, just from this round or to the next. Um, but we'll see. By the way, just wanted to provide a scoring update. The Leafs have retaken the lead thanks to uh, the stick of, wait for it, Eric Frickin Gustafson, his first in the playoffs from Willie Nylander uh, and Jake McCabe. So yep. the Kyle Dubas editions of the trade deadline deliver once again. Yeah. Um, okay, hold on. One second. On the- um, I, this will be fun. I am, uh, I am watching. I am in a fantasy hockey league. I am in it. There's a draft going on right now to see who gets the top pick. Whoever wins this will get Connor Bedard, so we'll see. But I don't want to drag this on. There is a it's like a live stream going on right now to see who gets the top pick. I have the third That's best odds. That's crazy. That's so awesome. I, I have the third best odds to see if I get it, but um but yes, I'll keep you posted here. Um, okay, uh, so so while while we're while we're on that subject while we're on that okay. subject, there, yeah, I mean, are you, are we done with this series, by the way, or can we? Yes, okay. we are. We yeah. are. We are. Prediction, not what you want to happen, what you think will happen. Um, first overall, second overall, who wins the lottery? First tomorrow? overall, second overall, not what I think will happen. I'm gonna say, shh, I I feel like because like it just happens. Because this is just how hockey is. Like, the hockey gods, they can't do anything. I think it's going to be Chicago who's going to get the first pick. Um, I hope you're wrong, but yeah, it yeah, could be. I hope I'm wrong, too. 
Um, and then uh, second, I let's say Arizona. We'll get second. Okay. I'm going to say, while they have had some low-key good lottery luck, they have not gotten first overall. I think Detroit's going to get the player that oh, wow. they've been looking for at first overall. Okay. And, man, I would hate that in my division, but at the same time it would be so much fun, and yeah, yeah. Motor City would be vibing so hard. All so right. um, I would love to see the Red Wings get Connor Bedard. Yeah. Uh, second overall, eh, why not San Jose Sharks? Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, that's going to be next week, or, or tomorrow, sorry. Um, and we'll yeah. see. Oh, we'll we'll react to it. We'll, we'll react to it next week. Of course, yeah. um, and we'll probably be doing some obituaries as well. Um, and previews. Um, okay. Uh, that's about it. I'm, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lisa podcast. Our Facebook is Lisa up. You can, um, you can subscribe, uh, or yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elser from talk again. Episode 364 of the latest, my podcast.